Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sons of Sequoia podcast. Uh, this is our 11th episode. SOS 11. Number 11. We made it. Uh, today, we'll be starting a new project for Thursdays called The Gospel Project. Um, I guess I could start by telling the story that I told you when I, my inspiration for this. Uh, okay. We'll get in so people sort of understand what's going on here. Uh, yeah. Why are uh, we doing this? I was reading a book. It's called The Master and Margarita by Mikhail Abulyakov. And uh, this book was written during the Soviet era. And it's kind of like, you know, how Alice in Wonderland is satire or whatever. It sort of takes down the queen of peg. Uh, Lewis Carroll. Lewis Carroll? Is that right? Alice in Wonderland? Um, took, takes down the Queen of Peg. Well, this uh, Master and Margarita, I think it's taking down the Soviet government of Peg, but everything is very symbolic. So there's a lot of stuff that goes over my head, even though I, I mean, I know a fair bit about, about Soviet governance, but I think that sometimes you had to be there to appreciate the satire that's going on. Well, mm-hmm. the second chapter retells the story of the trial and sentencing of Jesus to death from the eyes, from the perspective of Pontius Pilate. So I'm reading it, and there's all these literary or biblical allusions, and I realize I've never read the Gospels. And this story about Pontius Pilate, it might be more interesting to me if I had actually read the Gospels. So I sort of was determined. I know that you've read the Gospels, and uh, you've studied... You know, you've done a fair amount of biblical study. I've done none. So it's such a cornerstone of Western civilization, the the Gospels of Jesus. And I think that there's a big gap in my knowledge and understanding, having never actually sat down and read them cover to cover. And I think it would be a good thing to do. And I looked online and I said, how long does it take to read the Gospels? I typed it into Google. And each one takes less than three hours. So for this project, there's five Gospels, am I right? It's four. Well, I guess they consider Acts a Gospel, too, though. That's what the Internet was telling me. Well, the Gospel is about the good news of Jesus, and the Acts is after Jesus died. It's about the early church. It's the Acts of the Apostles. Mm-hmm. So a Gospel would be like, yeah, you can call it a, a Gospel. It's a good news of uh, the risen Christ. Uh, we we, I, we always call the four Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay. Well, if we and do if, if we do Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're having a good time, I think we should also do Acts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I I studied Acts in, in a seminary course once, so it's a, it's all about the early church, early uh, church, and what they did, and and how everything got started. So, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is like it's not like I'm coming to this from no knowledge. You know, I went to church as a kid. You know, I went to the occasional Easter service. I've seen uh, funerals. I know the stories of Jesus, some of them, the, the greatest hits. I know that he was, you know, born in a manger in Bethlehem to the Virgin Mary, and there was a star, and three wise men came, and uh, his stepdad was named Joseph, and he was a carpenter in Nazareth, and he turned over the tables in the church because there were money lenders, and... There was parables and beatitudes, 
And then uh, he got a gang of dudes to go around with him. Uh, I saw a joke one time. The greatest miracle that Jesus ever did was having 12 close friends in his mid-30s. Because <laughs> I think it's true as someone, you know, in their mid-30s, it's, uh, it's difficult to maintain close friends as the older well, you get. Also, those 12 close friends were not the same kind of people. They were very, very diverse in their background and their personalities. Uh, you had people who were, who were educated, people were uneducated. You had fishermen. You had tax collectors who were like, uh, were not respected and fishermen with a salt of the, I mean, you had all different kind of people following this, this one person. And uh, that was unusual. That was, that was very unusual back then. You, it's unusual today. You know, you don't have people coming together from all different walks of life following one person. Mm-hmm. You know, have to, so it's, it was, that was unusual. I also like to, uh, you know, if you make religious, if you have ideas about religion, I think it's very good to start from these are the scriptures of that religion. These are the, the gospels of Jesus. Uh, I think too many people say, look at the bad things the church done has done, therefore Christianity is bad. And I think if you read the scriptures, you'd say, well, what they're doing, what the, the crusades or covering up abuse in the Catholic church, I think Jesus would have taken one look at that behavior and said, hey guys, knock it off. You know, uh, I, don't, I don't think you guys are being too... Cry- I think that these megachurch donors, you know, taking an old pensioner's last dime so he can buy another private jet, Jesus would take one look at these megachurch <laughs> pastors and say, hey, knock it off. He did. That is what he did. Mm-hmm. He blasted uh, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. He, he blasted the, the, the leaders of the group uh, at the time. But I, I, don't, I know that my friends that are very devout atheists, I don't know if you can be a devout atheist, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I know what you mean. Uh, a lot of times their argument is, look at how bad organized religion, look at the bad things organized religion has done. But I think that you have to separate organized religion from what the gospels of Jesus say. Because what, what uh, the rule book says and what people end up doing are often two different things. So I think it's important to take a look at the rule book and say, yeah, the Catholic Church did this. Yeah, the, the pastor in a megachurch, the televangelist, you know, embezzled money to buy himself a boat. But Jesus wouldn't have done that. So you can't say that, you know, and he, he may have nominally said he was doing those things in the name of Jesus, but he wasn't. You know, if, if I said, in the name of Hitler, I'm going to donate all of my money to help impoverished youth, that doesn't make Hitler a good guy. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> so I, th- I, will, I guess my point with this project is I think that it's good to actually take a deep dive in, or not even a deep dive, read through one time each of the four Gospels. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> no, no, not look at. Actually, also, the Gospels uh, were written about 
uh, also the life of Christ, uh, what he did, and also what his life meant. Uh, so it wasn't necessarily a biography because it doesn't say everything about about Jesus, but it's about his time here, uh, what it meant, what it meant to the people back then. And by the way, uh, the Gospels w were written long time after he died. Uh, and I think from uh, well, some of the uh, books of the New Testament were like maybe decades after, I think. Uh, Revelation was over 70 years after he died, or maybe not that long, something like that, 70 AD, maybe 40 years after he died. But anyway, uh, so um, I think it's a good it's a good idea to read him, but not as uh, a religion, but read him as a book. What does this say, and why are they saying it? Yes. In other words. Don't say, oh, this religion is this, this, this. It's not a, it's not a religious book. It's talking about what Jesus did and what he meant. It was just about the story about Jesus. I think that's, I, I wanted to get to that. I'm glad you said that. Um, because I, I see a lot of this in politics. Someone will say something and they say, what he meant was this. Or you'll read the Bible for the first time. And if you're in a church, you'll interpret it a certain way. And the church will tell you, no, I know it said that, but what it meant was this. And you think, yeah, but I just read it. And what it says is this. <laughs> you know, what it says is not what you're saying. So I was wondering, like, you'd have a couple good stories about your Sunday school teacher. Uh, <laughs> can you tell us that story? Well, a couple of stories popped into my head. Uh, well, they're related, too. I was a kid in, in Sunday school, and this teacher said, uh, someone was talking about Jesus. And he says, well, you know, Jesus was a Baptist. <laughs> I love that. You know? <laughs> and I go, and I thought, Jesus was a Baptist. And I was a little kid. I go, because, because you went to a Southern Baptist church as a kid, right? It was a Southern Baptist church. And I go, Baptist? I, I didn't see him in the pews. I didn't <laughs> see him last Sunday. You know? They said, oh, no, no, he lived a long time ago, but he was a Baptist. Oh, okay. He was? He was a Baptist. Anyway, so curious kid as I was, that I was, I went home and I read, and I started reading different books and things, and uh, I thought, wait a minute, the Baptists weren't even here back then, you know. And I go, what, what's, what is he talking about? Anyway, and so, but it made me read the Bible, and so I had this phrase. I don't. Even, I'm not going to tell you what it, I remember what it was, but I'm going to tell you. Let's hear it. There's a phrase. Let's hear the phrase. It was in Romans, and he says, uh, 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 and Noah's faith was counted to him as righteousness. I go, what does that mean? Noah's faith, God counted, Noah's faith was counted unto him as righteousness. I go, what, is, what does that mean? So what do you mean count? And also righteousness, you mean, you mean it's going to count the same? Or So I didn't understand it. And it was in Romans. So I go into the pastor of the church. He's the leader for people who don't go to church. Pastor of the church. I go to him. I make an appointment. I says, I want to talk to you. I go in there. I sit in his office. He's at the desk. I'm over here. He says, I have a question about Romans. Oh, okay, young man. What would you like to know? I said, and I read the passage. And I said, this passage, and what does this mean? Noah's faith was counted unto him as righteousness. 
So you don't have to be good. You just have to be faithful. And all of a sudden you're, you're righteous. I don't understand that. And you know what his answer was? What? The, the Bible contains many mysteries that we'll never understand. And I thought, I don't believe that. <laughs> I just don't believe that. I said, it's there. Paul wrote this. What did he mean by that? I says, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't take that. I don't believe that. And so what I did as a young age, I went home and started reading it myself. I started studying it myself. And much later, I realized what it meant. I just had to mature uh, to where I understand what, uh, what Romans was about and what they were trying to say. But the point is, uh, getting back to, to reading it, read it to see what it says and understand that that person is writing this for a purpose. Yes. You know, and it's not like uh, they're writing it for themselves. They're writing it for the reader. Now, the, the point of that is that a lot of times people will write things like like a uh, like I'm in, I'm in a technical area. They'll write technical things to try to establish a point. But the Gospels are writing to tell the reader about the life of Jesus and what it meant to you. That's basically what they were doing. Mm hmm. And I think the Gospels, too, unlike the Re book of Revelations, I wanted to read that one back in the day, so I did, because, you know, I thought, oh, that's cool, the end of the world. Uh, well, if you read the book of Revelations, the first hour that you read it, it's this church in the east is doing this, and that's wrong. And this church in the north is doing this, and that's wrong. But the church of the southwest is supporting our cause, and that's good. And it's like... None of these churches exist anymore. And it's clear that this was being written sort of as a, a propaganda piece, saying these churches that support <laughs> us are good, and these churches that don't are bad. And it's like, but that made it in the Bible. And it's like, why was he writing that? He wasn't writing that for me 2,000 years later. He was writing that for the people at the time to condemn certain churches doing things the wrong way or to get everyone on board with his plan. And... <laughs> so, so it was written by some guy, and his agenda wasn't to document, the, you know, just his revelation of John or whatever, the end of the world and the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Part of that book was, I'm going to do a little politicking, and that politicking is tied <laughs> to the time in which I live. <laughs> yeah, well, that's your take on it. Uh, other people would take have a different take. <laughs> yeah, other people... Would it say, oh, the church to the West actually represents this, and that means yeah. that. And and I I call BS on that. <laughs> Go, David. I mean, yeah. the thing is, if the church in the West actually represents communism uh, or whatever, it's like, no, it doesn't. He was just mad that these guys in the West weren't doing the same thing that his church was. <laughs> what do you think is more likely? That, that the church that he calls out by name is a real church that's competing with him and he doesn't like it because they're doing something differently, or he's seeing 2,500 years into the future and he's calling this church in the West that's probably a real church, that's probably 100 miles away from him. He, he's saying, I'm going to use that as an, an, as an avatar for communism. Like there's, that's BS. I think people see what they want to see at some point, you know? And uh, again, 
people take the uh, the book of Revelation and say, and then he had the images, the dream and the images, and this is a vision of the end times uh, with the tribulation and everything. And that's become part of part of the liturgy. It's been that's become part of the Christian beliefs of the the tribulation and the kingdom and this kind of thing mm-hmm. for a thousand years. And so, um, but the but the, uh, the book of Revelation wasn't written until a long time uh, after. Like, I'll look it up here. Sometime around 96 uh, A.D. Uh, 96 years. Uh, well, Christ died around. He was 33, I think. So it's like, uh, what, 60-some years after the death of Christ. So mm-hmm. this is much, much, much later. And uh, and a lot of the Gospels were written later, too. Yeah, uh, but like I said before, like you said, and I agree with you, I think it's good to read the Gospels and not take your churches or your pastor's word for what it means. To say, I read through it. I read it cover to cover. And this is my take on it. I think it's important to sort of absorb that information independent of someone massaging those words or sort of uh, shoehorning those words into concepts that they feel are relevant to today. When you say, no, I I read it without you whispering in my ear, sort of chewing my thoughts for me. I read it. And this is what I see as... What's relevant about the Gospels? I think that's important. Well, I think that's a good lead-in to Scripture, to, to the Bible and Scripture, is that what we have, we're talking about the Gospels, and, and people wrote those. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John wrote those. But they wrote them so long ago that we don't have the original manuscripts. And it has been rewritten and rewritten. And when they rewrite it, sometimes they'll add things, sometimes they'll change things. Uh, they're not supposed to, but they did, uh, because we have manuscripts of these old writings, and there'll be f- phrases and things that are missing in some and others, uh, some things that are added in some of the others, and so all the scriptures are not are not uh, always the same, and so which, and there's uh, there's going to be all different kind of Bibles out there too, and so which one do you pick, and which one is uh, should you be reading? Uh, probably doesn't matter. What matters more is how you approach what you read. Mm-hmm. Approach it with the right attitude. And uh, so now we're getting a little bit away from the Bible and into religion. Mm-hmm. I see I see those two things as different. Organized religion versus the Bible and Christianity. Yeah. Uh, they're not necessarily the same. And I don't, Religion is based on this. And I don't read any language. I couldn't read the Bible in any language except for English. So I can't go back to the the Greek, whatever they say, the oldest lexicon. You know, I can't read Aramaic. I don't know Latin. I can't go to the, uh, the Catholic Church's Latin translations of the Bible. I have to read it in English. So that means what I'm getting will have been passed down through the centuries. I think that people may have made edits to strengthen their position at the time. You know, if you're a king... And there's something that is explicitly in the Bible against what you're about to do to your people. Could you just strike that line from the Bible on your latest translation? <laughs> I mean, is that a thing you could do? I mean, it's the 10 hundreds. I think that political leaders today, there's videotape 
of them doing this. And they get up in front of a lectern and they say, I did not do that. So I think that uh, it's possible that that's happened, that we haven't had a faithful carrying of the flame for the last 2,000 years. There's, there's some differences in whatever translation you read. Do you... I, I, I'm almost sure they, they, we know they changed it because we, we see different manuscripts in, with changes in it. So which one, for example, uh, I, don't re, I don't remember which manuscript it was. I read this book one time way back when, when I was reading this stuff, uh, The Lord's Prayer. And uh, some of the older manuscript scripts uh, in the Lord's Prayer, it says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's all. And, that, and that's it. The rest of it's not there. Later manuscripts put the rest of it in. Mm -hmm. so, oh, well, you know, that's a good start. I think we should say this. I think Jesus should have said this. Yeah. I'm not, I don't know if that's true or not, but <laughs> some had that and some did not have that on the Lord's Prayer. Mm -hmm. So how, how many times do we recite the Lord's Prayer in church? You know, people just know that, mm -hmm. you know. And so a lot of the scripture uh, it, uh, in the different manuscripts, different things are missing. And some of the words are changed, too. Actually, some of it, uh, I can't remember what it was now. I haven't prepared for this uh, podcast, but some of it have uh, things written in the margin. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, like the Lord's Prayer. Uh, then after that, you know, uh, that those the rest of it was written in the margin on some manuscripts. So is that part of the canon? Yeah. Well, we see it when we read it, but uh, uh, was it originally written that way? Yeah. And by the way, by the way, the Lord's Prayer, he, he said that and gets uh, Jesus uh, said that in Gethsemane. He went away by himself and his disciples overheard him say that and then wrote that down <laughs> 30 mm -hmm. years later, <laughs> 40, 30, 40 years later. Yeah. Can you remember what happened 30 years ago? Someone who wasn't talking to you, you heard them talking. And you can remember exactly what they said 30 years later. They didn't have cell phone recorder apps back then. No, they did not. And so how accurate was it? Uh, so even back then, they don't, that's not going to be word for word. Uh, they're going to say what they thought they heard. On the other hand, uh, the religion now says uh, those words were inspired by God. Mm -hmm. They're inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so... Uh, so the men are instruments, uh, the prophets are instruments to which the Holy Spirit will write uh, the true scripture. Therefore, you can believe it as coming from God because it's inspired by God. Mm -hmm. So the scripture is inspired. And different people believe, have a whole spectrum of belief on, uh, on the Bible and Christianity and everything. Can you imagine like Luke or uh, Matthew or Mark scribe? You know, they're an old man. They can't see that well. They have someone writing for them. And they say, then Jesus went into Gethsemane and he prayed and I overheard him. And the scribe says, oh, what did he say? And, and Mark says, I don't know, it was like blah, 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 something about God. And the scribe says, I think I'm going to punch that up a little bit. <laughs> uh, I need to give that a little more zazz, put a little mustard on that. Well, <laughs> that certainly could happen. But to people in religion, mm -hmm. that's getting close to blasphemy, right? They go, what are you? No, that's terrible. You, 
Wash your mouth out with soap. He remembered it word for word. He remembered it. Word. God inspired him to say it exactly what he remembered, what he said at, you know, 30 feet away. He was speaking on his with his back to me, uh, speaking to God, to the Father. Uh, and we were over here listening. And I can. And then right after that, he got killed. And right after that, we, we ran away and hid. All the disciples were scared of their lives because they thought they were going to be crucified. By the way, crucifixion is a horrible thing. Mm -hmm. It is not a nice thing. So they went and hid after that. Uh, and, uh, and then they were ashamed later, and then it came out. But the point is, oh, yeah, I'm going to remember exactly what he said. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they were running for their lives, for crying out loud. <laughs> so if we were there, uh, if we somehow had a time machine and we were there during that period, I guarantee you we would have a totally different view of when we read that Bible. Mm -hmm. When we walked with Christ, walked with him, talked with him, and he talked to us, and he looked at us, and we looked at him, and those eyes were looking at us, and we would tell him, and he would answer us, would read the Bible, we'd have a whole different perspective of what that, what that word says, what the Bible says. And I, think I guarantee you. A lot of uh, fundamentalist Christians, and this is uh, this might get me in trouble, but <laughs> a lot of fundamentalist Christians, they strike me as the type of people uh, where you put them 2,000 years ago, they're the ones in the crowd in Jerusalem saying, save Barabbas, save Barabbas. And they're a mob of people saying, we need to support the church. And the church says, that this prophet has sinned against the church. We believe in the church and the rule of law. Save Barabbas. Send the other guy to the gallows. Save Trump. <laughs> save, I, mean, I, I, mean, I mean, save Barabbas. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Save uh, Barabbas. That, that, was, that was a slip. That was a slip. Um, <laughs> I, well, yeah, you, I, and I been talk, you and I have been talking about repentance, too. Yeah. Uh, we can talk about that another time. But, I'm sure uh, that'll come up in the uh, examination of the Gospels. Or the idea of repentance. Repentance uh, is a big is a big theme in the Gospels, yeah. I mean, the thing about Trump is at least there's nothing in the Bible that prohibits a, uh, adultery, right? Because <laughs> that would be a sin. <laughs> uh, let's get into... Uh, uh, Wait, hey, listeners, that's sarcasm, <laughs> by the way. That's sarcasm. Let's get into uh, selecting... If we're going to go through the Gospels, let's select a Bible translation. Okay. Um, so, yeah. this is your sort of Ballywick, so you can explain the graphic. Okay. Uh, this is a dial uh, of uh, different uh, Bibles, types of Bible. Uh, it says translations in this graphic, but it's different, different Bibles. I'm going to just say Bibles, because they're not all translations. Uh, and if you start counting, one, two, three, if everyone's not watching, but they're listening, from the right to the left is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, seven, eight, nine. There's 20 here. Mm -hmm. There's 20 different Bibles. So which one do you pick? Which one do you read? Uh, well, uh, there's three different uh, groupings that this dial is giving us. On the left-hand side, it's word-for-word -word translation 
from, let's just talk about the New Testament. The Old Testament was Hebrew. The New Testament was Greek and Aramaic. So just word for word from the Greek to uh, the English. Now we had the Latin Bibles. And so we had word for word from the Greek to the Latin. Okay, but then the King James Version uh, then uh, translated uh, the Greek and Latin to English. And so uh, when you translate from one language to another language, the words are not literal. You know, what you say in one language, you, do, you say it differently in another language. And so, uh, so the King James Version was one of the earlier versions that had a word for word translation. This is what the Greek says. Now it's not word for word in the sense that exactly word is the same. It's word for word in the sense that uh, that Bible is uh, what the Greek said with that sentence. So they weren't trying to interpret what was being said. They were translating what was being said. Go ahead. But, but that's why I want to push back. We talked about this a little bit before we started. Um, I'm taking a course on The Great Courses Plus, which is a great streaming service. Uh, if you go to sonsofsequoia.com and look at this episode, episode 11, I'll leave an affiliate link for that if you want to join, and we'll get a kickback so it'll help the show. However, um, I'm taking a history course about the history of England from the Tudors to the Stuarts. So the Tudors started with Henry VII and then his son, Henry VIII, um, obviously had some lady problems. Uh, his first wife, Catherine of Aragon, she was Catholic and Spain was more powerful than England and the Catholic Church wouldn't grant him a divorce. So what was his solution? Uh, ch chop off her head and start his own church, the Church of England. So he did this and yet it's difficult to sort of change everyone in a country from, you know, centuries of Catholic belief to a new Anglican belief. Uh, so, you know, his son or his daughter, Mary, she, she started to, uh, she took over from him. She started to push back towards Catholicism because she was Catherine of Aragorn's daughter, Aragorn, Aragon's daughter. Well, then Elizabeth, Elizabeth I, Anne Boleyn's daughter, she was a Protestant. So she moved it back towards Anglicanism. Of course, when she kicks the bucket, that's the end of the Tudor line. And King James I, actually King James VI of Scotland, becomes King James I of England. Now, he supports Protestantism. He supports Anglicanism. But he says, you know, we really need a project to cement this Anglicanism in the minds of the English people. And you know how we can do that? Well, let's make a version of the Bible in English. So up until that point, the Bibles were only in Latin because they only had Catholic Bibles. And King James says, you know what will really sell this Anglican project? A Bible in English. And the professor in this course, he reads a passage that's transliterated from the Latin version of the Catholic Bible. And then he re reads a passage from the King James Version. Well, the language is much more exciting and forward and much more forceful, uh, poetic even, in, to the English ear. Plus, you know, I'm sure less than 10% of the people in England spoke Latin. So they're sitting there on Sunday morning saying, I have no idea what the hell this guy is saying, but he's reading from the Bible. Well, what if they could understand what the preacher was saying or the, the pastor? Like that makes a big difference. And it's in this 
very poetic sort of verse-like structure that takes the best parts of the English language and sort of makes the Bible sing. Um, it's like if someone read to you the lyrics of a song, it wouldn't be as exciting as if they sung them to you. So if I said, like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay thee down. Sail on, silver girl. Sail on, right. Your time has come to fly. All your dreams are on their way. Uh, it's not as exciting as listening to Simon and Garfunkel's Funkel's Bridge Over Troubled Water. That's what they did with the King James Version. And I think that's what you can do with a translation. You can sort of be faithful to the original texts, but also make it, put a little mustard on it, put a little zazz into it, do it with flair. But they also understood what was being said. Yes. And that, that was the big one. That was, that was the big part. And I think King James brought the Bible and the words of the Bible to the people. And they understood what, what was being said. And when they started understood what was being said, you can believe things you understand much easier than believing things you don't understand. Also, I think to the credit of the King James Version, um, that was early 1600s. And so I think it has about 300 years on any of these other versions in this graphic. Right? Uh-huh. I mean, it's, it's one of the earlier ones, yeah. At, at least 200 years. Uh, I don't, I mean, because it was in the early 1600s at the King James Version. A lot of these other versions, the New International Version, the New American Standard. I don't, I mean, I think that the staying power of the King James Version is a testament to, to how well King James did his job when he sort of made an English translation of the Bible. But some of these versions, 1970s, 1980s, 1990s. So some of these versions are fairly recent. Mm -hmm. So which one are we going to choose for our gospel project? Well, I guess I want to also, before we do that, mm -hmm. uh, I also want to say that word for word uh, just simply means that they try to translate the, let's say New Testament, the Greek to English as accurately as possible. Now, the middle is the thought for thought. Now, the thought for thought says, oh, it says this. I translate it into English. I think what they mean is this. And so they try to translate what it means, mm -hmm. not necessarily what it says. And so that's technically a very loose version of what's referred to as a translation. Now, oh, they say this. But let me rearrange the words because I think what they mean is this, and you say that. Like it's a colloquialism or something, right? Exactly. So like here's exactly. a good example. We say it's apples and oranges to compare two things that are not alike. You're comparing apples to oranges here in America. Do you know what they say in uh, the UK? No, what? They say it's chalk and cheese. Exact same thing, yeah. And then, do you know what they say so in Russia? Not... Do you know what they say in Russia? This is a good one. What? In Russia, they say it's machine guns and grandmothers. <laughs> True. We can look it up. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. That's a good example. And so that's the thought for thought. So they're not changing the meaning. Mm -hmm. They're actually translating it in such a way that you can understand what they're saying. Yes. Now the paraphrase. That's different. I, do, I would not consider that a translation. A paraphrase says, oh, 
Well, they say, you know, uh, uh, apples and oranges. But I think what they're trying to say is, and they have something that, uh, what they mean is, is that you have to work harder at trying to undermine uh, the religion. No, that's not, how do you know what they meant? So it's not basically what the words are saying, but actually what they think they're trying to, to uh, the thought, not the not even the thought. They're paraphrasing it in their own words, in their own words, not the words of the Greek. Yeah. So it's Maybe like, they didn't explain that very well. So like, here's my, uh, here's my fish and loaf story. Uh, homeboy pointed his sandals to the crowd of people. He saw that they were hungry and thirsty. So he turned all the water into wine and he said, yo, let's party. But they didn't have any grub. So he uh, split up a bunch of loaves and fishes. And all of a sudden, everyone had food to eat. And they grubbed down and they drank all night and they partied. And Jesus saw that it was good. And he looked at him and he said, chill and be chill, my bros. That's like a paraphrase, right? Yeah, that's a paraphrase. (laughs) (laughs) That's a paraphrase. And actually, David, you could probably have an oral... Uh, uh, version of the of the Gospels, where Jesus is like a just a, like a hippie. I, he wore sandals. He wore sandals. He had long hair. He had long hair. <laughs> well, we see pictures of him wearing sandals, long hair with a robe or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, but, but there yeah. again, the the Gospels are not a biography. They're not saying this is what Jesus, uh, the biography of everything that Jesus did. Uh, the Gospels are trying to tell a story around Jesus of what his life meant to them and what his life should mean to you. Yes. So you've got to keep that in mind. Um, but you can keep that in mind, but also you can say, and this is the power of parable, Jesus isn't saying, don't do this, don't do that, do this, do, don't do that. If you do this, You'll go to heaven. If you don't do that, you won't go to heaven. If you do this, God will, you know, throw a thunderbolt at you from the sky. Jesus doesn't say that. He says, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you the story about the prodigal son. And depending on how you interpret the story, you emerge with, I mean, two people could emerge with different worldviews based upon that story. That's right. Some people hear that story, and depending on where they are in life, they identify with the father or the prodigal son or the other son. I don't, I don't remember, you know, but they could see themselves in any of the characters. And that's the power of stories. It's not just like in the prodigal son, everyone who reads the Bible should identify with the prodigal son. No, like you could identify with just about anyone in that story based upon your life. And at different times in your life, you may identify with different people in that story. So that's kind of what's, that's right. that's what's cool about teaching with stories. That's right. That's right. That's one thing that the, uh, Jesus was extremely effective because of his parables. Because uh, stories will last. Uh, people, people are pretty much the same. Uh, times change. Technologies change. Language changes. Uh, social the social interaction changes but the basic person does not change and so if you want to start telling stories or having uh, uh, different types of doctrine based on stories and 
parables. Focus on the basic unchanging uh, uh, people, uh, the core of people, because people really don't change that much, mm-hmm. uh, even back then. Uh, getting back to your story about Pontius Pilate, if we were sitting in that chair that Pontius Pilate was sitting in, uh, what would we have done? Would we have pretty much done the same thing? Because we didn't know who Jesus was, you know, but we saw everyone screaming and yelling, Barabbas, Barabbas, not Jesus, you know. And he goes, wait a minute, this guy didn't do anything. He said, don't care, crucify him. That's why we brought him to you. Oh, okay, uh, wait a minute. You know, this is a pretty serious thing. Crucify him or we'll crucify you. Oh, okay, well, maybe let me think this through here. And so uh, he he didn't really, he really didn't want to do it. <laughs> when you look at it, he didn't really want to do it, but he kind of forced to do it. He was following That's the law, pretty- right? The law was, since it was Passover, they could save one of the two, and they chose Barabbas. I, I'm sure that he, maybe if he interviewed the the suspects, that's what happens in the book. Pontius Pilate interviews Jesus, and it tells it from Pontius Pilate's perspective. And he hears that the, you know, the people in Jerusalem choose Barabbas to be saved, and he, that kind of sucks, but there's nothing I can do about it. It's the law. Like, I have to follow the law as the consulate of this, of Jerusalem, the prefect of Jerusalem under Emperor Tiberius. Uh, so yeah, he gets a, a bad rap as being the guy that over, oversaw the crucifixion of Jesus, but he wasn't the one that sentenced him, sentenced him to death, right? He sent him on, <coughs> but you're right. The thing of it is, is that he, he questioned him and goes, this guy didn't do anything wrong. You know, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Anyway, it, it, was, it, was a, it was he was in a bad position. He got dealt so a bad card. He actually when you when you move to the top, be careful when you move to the top because it's not what you think it is sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes being, being a leader, you just have to follow. Yeah, they he had to follow what the people chose. He couldn't step mm-hmm. in and save Jesus. And then for the rest of history, he's like, that's the guy that killed Jesus. And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe of course, we don't know. We don't know what happened. You know, January sixth. They say it's time to move on from that. No one should be in trouble for that. And if we go two hundred years into the future, and they say, "Let me tell you a story about how a bunch of people stormed the Capitol, and two weeks later, everyone decided that that was okay," like that set a dangerous precedent, or that helped the country move on. We don't know how it's going to pan out, but. Uh, we also, I, I feel like it wasn't okay <laughs> that they did that, but maybe I'm in the minority. I don't know. Well, it depends on, depends on what you want for the country. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you say that's okay, well, if that's okay, it's going to happen again. Oh, but and next time it may be, they may not. Be turned away they may be successful yeah this is getting a little bit off of our gospel project but we so oh, we haven't chosen a a translation no. but, but we will well, but i heard about a <laughs> ong song su chi do you know who that is no the leader of myanmar the democratic okay. leader oh yeah i know 
And uh, so she won the election, but the military didn't like it. So they said there was election fraud and they arrested her. Uh, she's going to serve three years in jail for uh, they found illegally obtained walkie-talkies in her house. That's the charge. They used some obscure charge to say, oh, she had walkie-talkies that aren't allowed. Three years in jail for the basically the president of the country. Um, and since she's in jail and, oh, everyone in the ruling, democratically elected ruling coalition is also in jail. Looks like the military is going to have to be uh, in charge. And it's because they said there's unsubstantiated charges of voter fraud. And the military is like, we know there was voter fraud. I know that we can't prove it. But you know what we can do? Lock up everyone that won the election. <laughs> so that's how they... And you can ask yourself, would this have happened if they hadn't had an example from elsewhere in the world? And you can't answer that question, but it's possible that it wouldn't have happened if other democracies weren't attacking their own foundations by calling elections bogus. That's all I just want to say about that. Well, what I want to say is that could that happen here? Maybe not the first time, but if you let it go, it could happen again. Maybe not the second time, maybe the third time, fourth time. If it keeps happening, if you let it go, it's going to keep happening. Mm-hmm. And eventually, someday, it will. It could happen here. If you don't take steps to make sure it doesn't happen again, or no one tries anymore. Because uh, they, gonna... they got further than they probably ever dreamed, don't you They're think? They're going to try. They're going to try again. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the people in this, I think I said this last time, people in this world who want to bring down this country, they're not going to stop trying. They'll, they'll never stop trying. There's always going to, you have to always be vigilant. So should we go back and choose a translation? Yeah. <laughs> back, back on topic? Well, you're, you've always used the New American Standard, right? For a long, long, long time. And yeah. I found it for 99 cents on Amazon Kindle. Uh, so I could, I could read it on my Kindle. Well, you got the American Standard Bible. Yes. The New American Standard, American Standard are basically the same. They're slightly different, but uh, I think they're fine. Th- those, are, that's, those are good translations. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Uh, let me see if there's American a standard. New American Standard. Um, ba, 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 ba. NASB 1977, 2 dollars for an NASB. I could pony up. Do you think eternal salvation is worth $2.99? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's an extra $2, but then we'll be on the same edition, right? Yeah. I think that sounds good. I'll get this one. $2.99 on Kindle. So uh, so next time, are we going to read... So next Thursday on uh, the Gospel Project, are we going to read uh, what, Matthew? Matthew. Okay. Well, we'll do, we'll do Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts of the Apostles. So Matthew, <clears throat> to get us going here... So let's, let's do that, okay? American Standard. Okay. And I'll, I'll, I'll read my new American Standard. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and mm-hmm. Acts of the Apostles. <clears throat> Matthew is talking about uh, Jesus as, uh, this is what I remember back way back when. 
I haven't I haven't studied this stuff in such a long time. Uh, but if I remember right, Matthew uh, portrays Christ as king, king of the Jews, mm -hmm. king. Uh, Mark uh, portrays uh, Christ as a servant, the servant of God, serving people. Luke, uh, who was a physician, by the way, Luke portrays Christ as man, the manly, the humanism, the 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 uh, the son of man. He was an actual actual person, actual man, the humanity of of Christ. And then John, which is the last book that they think was written, uh, he wrote uh, Christ as God, as the second person of the Trinity, uh, the Son of God, uh, uh, the second person of the Trinity, God, uh, the godliness of Christ. So we have the the uh, kingship, the uh, servant, uh, the um, uh, humanity, mm -hmm. and then the deity. So those are the, and then the Acts of the Apostles is the risen Christ. I guess that's why it's called the gospel. Mm -hmm. And then after that, then you have Corinthians, Ephesians, uh, Philippians, Colossians. That's all letters of Paul. And then J John and James are in there. Then you have letters. I think we should do the, the gospel for the next five weeks or maybe four. If we get bored, we can skip Acts. Uh. <laughs> well, Acts is interesting. Acts is very, very, well, Acts is very different than, than the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mm -hmm. They're very, very different. But let's just start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What do you say? Yeah, it'll be a month. And then we could do the Constitution after that. Oh, that'd be good. Because I, I didn't mention this earlier. Maybe I did. I don't know. But you talk to someone about religion, and they'll have their points, and you'll have your points. But I realized I've never read the Gospels. I've read the Constitution. But when you argue with someone or talk with, discuss, uh, a religion with someone and you've never read the Gospels, especially if you're discussing Christianity. I mean, it's like I could discuss Zen Buddhism, Buddhism with someone and whether or not I've read the Gospels of Jesus is somewhat immaterial. But uh, discussing religion with someone, especially Christianity, I think having read the Gospels is a mighty fine starting point. And I feel like having not read the Gospels is like being one of those protesters outside the Capitol that says, read the Constitution. And then someone asks them, have you read the Constitution? And they say, no. Uh, if you're going to stand up for something or defend something or stand against something, you should understand what you're standing up for or standing against. Correct? That's true. Uh, but the other thing you've mentioned it before, David, the, the, the Gospels were written 2,000 years ago. And even though they talk about the life of Christ, there are some... some uh, uh, things in there that are relative to the times uh that if you understand the culture back then then what what they're saying makes sense and i can't i don't have examples right now but i remember uh studying those gospels that oh you know this means this back then it doesn't mean that today mm -hmm. we, we read that and we think oh wow why they do that says no back then this was the culture and that's why they say that so and also, a lot of the culture in the in back then in, in the first century uh, still had was a Jewish culture from centuries before. And so Christ always talks about the Scripture. He's not talking about the New Testament. No, <laughs> he's talking about the Old Testament. But he's not really talking necessarily about the Old Testament. 
he's talking about the Pentateuch or the first five Bibles, which is called the Torah. So he's talking about the first part of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, the latter part uh, was added later. Uh, so, so when he talks about scriptures, you have to understand what he's saying. Uh, the writings of for like for Moses, but also, like getting too deep into it, I guess, huh? Yeah. Also, you know, I think I've. I mean, like I said, I've never really read the scriptures, but I understand. I get it a little bit. I get the general gist. And unlike so. Preachers today, they should theoretically be modeling themselves after Jesus, if you're a Christian preacher. But one thing I never saw Jesus doing was really quoting scripture. You ever notice that? No, he did. Oh, he did? Oh, yeah, he did. He says, the scripture says this, but I say... (laughs) (laughs) This is what it means. Okay, so maybe I'm wrong. No, maybe. no, but but I but I will also say this. You know, I guess what people. Oh were... no, he was he was 12 years old, uh, and they were quizzing him on the scripture, and he was teaching them, uh, and they go, I can't believe this kid knows so much about the scripture. Hmm. Okay. So, so he was a student. He yeah, he knew that stuff inside and out. Of course, people will say he's the son of God. Yeah. Basically, he wrote it. <laughs> yeah. He got it downloaded into his brain. Yeah. But. But along those lines, David, I see a lot of preachers will quote scripture, but when they quote it, they'll quote a phrase. If you understand the passage that comes from, that phrase doesn't mean what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. That happens a lot. I think that happens in media, too. It's like Bill Burr said, you know, these days you see a clip and the clip is two seconds long and then everyone gets outraged about it. But if you ever put on the last two minutes of Jaws, you'd say, why are all those people trying to kill that shark? <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> so you don't really What's, know the, you don't know the context. Shark them? Yeah. What did that shark do to them? <laughs> uh, that's true. That's a good point. Um, so yeah, I, so see, there's limits to my knowledge. I didn't know that Jesus was, had an encyclopedic knowledge of the scripture. Um, oh, yeah. And I think that sometimes you gain that knowledge and then you know the best way to, I here's a good lesson already, the best way to get people to follow the scripture is not by reciting it to them. It's about, it's by telling them stories, parables, that allow them to sort of work through what the scripture is saying in their head in a example-based format. See what I'm saying? Yes, I do. So Jesus is up there with uh, you know a PowerPoint presentation pointing to uh, his bullet points about this scripture says this and then it says this and then it says this. He says, "Let me tell you a story," because people can relate to that much easier than they can just uh, rote memorization. And forty, fifty, sixty years after they heard that story, they write it down. Mm-hmm. If he if he had had bullet point PowerPoint presentations. No one would re- remember those bullet points. Yeah. What was uh, the third bullet point? I don't know. <laughs> what was this, What was the third parable about the prodigal son? Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> you know, because when you tell a story, you're telling a story. When you read a PowerPoint bullet point, you are reciting someone else's bullet point. It becomes your story. Um, so 
we're embarking on, you've already read the scriptures, correct? Long time ago. I'll read them again. Well, this is my first rodeo. <laughs> this is the first time I've read the, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I'm pretty excited for it. And I think... Uh, Let me give you a suggestion. Yes. We'll start with Matthew next Thursday, okay? Mm-hmm. We'll talk about Matthew. But when you read Matthew, it doesn't take that long to read it. it you can read it in 20 minutes. The internet says two and a half hours. That's the Gospels, huh? That's all four of them. And No, no, the internet no. says the book of Matthew is two and a half hours. I don't think that's... No, that's not true. I, I think it's about 180 pages. So I can't read that in 20 minutes. Like if you had a uh, paperback book. Oh, wow. It's... Uh, How long does it take to read each book of the Bible? Huh. I I can't believe that. Um, let's see here. Matthew, 2.5 hours, it says. Malachi, 11 minutes. Mark, 1.5 hours. Luke, 2.5 hours. John, 2 hours. Acts, 2.25 hours. Well, I guess I, guess I just remember... I guess I don't remember right. Well, <laughs> it was about it was about 60, 50 years ago. Well, if you look at some, if you look at some of these, it's twelve minutes, twenty five minutes, four minutes, eight minutes, twenty minutes, eight minutes, nine minutes, ten minutes. So you probably just remember. Oh, it takes about twenty minutes to read a book of the Bible. Oh, okay. I know what I'm thinking of. What? Uh, the uh, the letters of Paul. Okay, like Corinthians. Corinthians, 40 minutes. Galatians, 20 minutes. Ephesians, 20 minutes. Philippians, 14 minutes. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So the Gospels are a bit longer. Okay. But But, but what I was going to say, my suggestion is when you read them, uh, you can read it it through. Mm -hmm. And actually, don't stop. Just read it all the way through from the beginning to end. Uh, Go away a day. Come back and read it a second time a little slower. And I think when you read it multiple times, we used to take a passage, like a chapter, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we'd go around, just a chapter, and we'd go around the room when we have these studies, and you read you read the chapter, and then the second person read the same chapter again, then the same chapter again, the same chapter, and we'd read the same chapter 10 times. And you think, why would you do that? And it was fascinating because it's kind of like when you see a movie that that's chucked full of stuff. Mm-hmm. And after you watch it a second and third time, you pick out things you didn't see before. Same thing with the Bible, especially the Gospels. Yeah, because it has been it. It's not it's not long. It's I mean, they, they take the stuff and kind of squish it in there. So you're going to read stuff you the second and third time you didn't see the first time. The first time you get the gist of the story. The second time then you understand the connection of the story. And the third time, you start to see the meaning of the story. If you have time, uh, try to read it more than once. That's what I'm saying. That's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. I'll, I'll, at least I'll read it once, though. I think... <laughs> I threw it out there anyway. I threw yes. it out there. I, I mean, I think that it's like, you want the world, but start with... The area around you. <laughs> you know okay. what I mean? It's like, I think, I, like, let's read the Gospels. And you say, you know what you should do? 
read the Gospels three times in a row. And it's like, ah. Well, you can do that with the, with the letters of Paul. Yeah. Uh, but then again. Uh, the Gospels are a bit longer. I mean, that, I that, guess so. That's, I mean, if I read it three times, it's seven and a half hours I'll spend this next week reading the Bible. That's I, true. I guess, is that worth eternal salvation? Seven and a half hours of your life? $2.99? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, guess what the longest okay. book of the Bible is? Uh, oh, I'd say one of the one of the earlier. Oh, it could be Revelation, uh, but I'd say it's earlier on. Uh, 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 I know the most boring book of the Bible is Leviticus and Deuteronomy. The longest is Psalms. Oh, okay, I can believe that. Yeah, the most interesting. What's the most interesting book of the Bible? Uh, Revelations. Nah, it's Proverbs. <laughs> I love, I love Proverbs. We, we should take Proverbs and read some of them. Yeah, maybe after that, we do the Constitution, we could do Proverbs. I tell you, I, I really believe that, uh, I don't know, Proverbs should be a required reading for every teenager. Because it's, it's morality instruction? It's morality, it's logic, it's how to get along with people. It's how it's just so, so practical. Uh, and there's God in there, uh, but it's really super practical. Like, look, uh, if you do this, these are the consequences you're going to suffer. Mm -hmm. That's what they talk about. And it says, if you do this, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. I'm telling you. And uh, I think uh, 11, 12, 13 year old kid should read Proverbs. It's a great book. It's really a good book. But you're right here. I see uh, how long it takes to read these things. Two and a half hours, one and a half hours, two and a half hours. Two. I didn't think it was that long. But I'll read it. Okay, Matthew, next Thursday. I'm it's, good. I'm it's, up. It's just a, a Hallmark movie and an episode of Rick and Morty. <laughs> okay. R right? That's how long it takes to read it? I guess so, yeah. Yep. Just, just an episode of Seinfeld and a Hallmark movie. <laughs> Just one one movie, one Disney movie, and then an episode of Seinfeld. Well, Disney movies are more about like they're more like an hour and a half. They're so, like an hour and a half. So yeah. three episodes of Seinfeld and a Disney movie, and you'll have. I've I've noticed that though, like with reading, it's like I'll sit down and read for an hour, and afterwards I'll feel really good about myself, but I'll zone out on YouTube, and I'll lose an hour of my life, and I'll have no idea where it went. And uh, it's fascinating, don't you think? I mean, mm. I'm still absorbing information when I watch YouTube, but I certainly feel better about myself reading for an hour as opposed to watching, falling into a YouTube rabbit hole for an hour. Mm -hmm. That's why mm. I like The Great Courses Plus. Check out sonsofsequoia.com. I'll leave a link on episode 11, The Gospel Project Introduction, um, to a affiliate link to... Subscribe to the Great Courses Plus. I'm all for it because it's people that have advanced degrees in subjects telling you about those subjects, not some random pe person on the internet like us. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, we're not as bad as some people. 
but there's a lot of people better than us. There's some people. But who hey, have, there's some people who have devoted their lives to a specific subject matter, and right. I think that the Great Courses Plus gives those people the respect they deserve by allowing them an open forum to talk about this without anyone arguing with them. I think the key word is respect. Respect what people know, what they devote their life to learn. Uh, just respect that. And I think that a format like this where we discuss things, I mean, you know more about the Bible than I do, but I'm going to learn a lot in these next five weeks uh, about the, the Gospels. Well, having an honest and open discussion, someone can sort of place themselves, say, oh, I agree with Michael, I agree with David, you know, um, or I disagree with both of them. I think they have a bad take on this because my church says it's this way, or I read the Bible and I don't agree with that interpretation. But we are not claiming to be experts or claiming to teach you, the listener, about the Bible. What we're trying to do is understand it ourselves in real time as we read it. Right? That's exactly right. Just just how we see things. And uh, again, a lot of the Gospels are parables. And every person is going to take that story differently, that parable differently. And the way we take it is how we look at it. It's important to us, and it's right for us. But the way you take it is going to be right for you. And so, actually, you probably should not take it the way we say. You should take it the way you believe it, mm-hmm. <laughs> the way the way you read it. Because every person is different. Your experience is different than our experiences. So. But maybe also someone can listen to us chit-chat about it and find it entertaining enough to say, I like what they're saying. Maybe I should read the Gospels. And it could inspire you to be like, yeah. Well, I've listened to my pastor tell me that Joe Biden's not the president because Jesus doesn't want that. But maybe I should read the Gospels and see if Jesus says that Joe Biden's not the president. <laughs> uh, True. <laughs> is that in the Bible? Well, what, what is it that your uh, pastor told you? The Bible has many mysteries that we will never know. Yeah. <laughs> many mysteries we'll never know. Like, I don't believe that. Paul knew. He wrote it. I feel like what he meant was, I am unwilling to interpret this at this moment in time for you. Right? Well, what he meant, what he meant was, I don't know what it means. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it means. Your, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. You know? And I went to the, he's the pastor of the church. Oh, anyway. Very interesting, though. It's like, Very if, interesting back then. if someone asked you, if someone asked me, what's 13 times 72? And I told them, the world has many mysteries, which we may never know. <laughs> I'm basically just telling them I don't know. That's right. Basically. And I was a little, I wasn't that little. I was, <laughs> I don't know, maybe 12, 13, 12 years old, or maybe less than that, 10 years old. But anyway, when I heard that, I go, okay. I walk away and I go, I, I don't believe that. <laughs> he did. I told my dad, I go, he doesn't know. You yeah. know, I says, well. But dad, he's, I don't know. He's, okay. So I was on my own. I didn't know for many years, but then you read it, and then and uh, then it becomes clear uh, the difference between faith and action and this kind of thing. And we talked about belief. Mm-hmm. People believe things. Believe it on faith. Not fact. Believe it on faith. And so, uh, anyway, so we'll start with Matthew. Sounds good. Should I buy the New American Standard and read that version? I have the King James on my Kindle, but I can get two ninety nine, and then we'll be on the same. Well, 
We could, or you could just read the King James Version. Mm-hmm. I'll read the New American Standard. We'll compare. Sounds good. Because I'm sure we'll be comparing parables. There's parables all the way through. Mm-hmm. And you could say, oh, the King James says it this way. New American Standard says it this way. It was something to, to compare. Yeah, sounds good. Let's just do that if you want. Does sure. that sound good? Yeah. So Matthew, tomorrow, next Thursday, not tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll do Week in Review. We can review, and, and next Thursday is going to be Gospel, uh, the pro- Gospel Project. Uh, Tuesday is Movie Tuesday, and, and we're going to review the whole week. Mm-hmm. We start every every day we're going to do something, right? What do, what do we talk about on Monday? Do you remember? Uh, Wednesday was Fallacies. Tuesday was uh, Movie Tuesday. And then Monday was... Uh, Yogi Berra. Yogi Berra. Yeah, of course. So tomorrow's Week in Review. This has been uh, the Thursday episode, our new series called Gospel Talk? The Gospel Project. The Gospel Project. <laughs> uh, so uh, tune in next week if you want to hear us talk about the book of M- Matthew. Yes. And I'll leave it there. Do you have anything else you want to say? Yeah, well, at the next Thursday, the Sons of Sequoia will be talking about the book of Matthew right or wrong we'll give you our opinion and our take on it so whatever whatever happens comes out just uh keep on talking but listen more than you talk goodbye bye